Welcome to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast, brought to you by DSW Ministries. Your host is singer, songwriter, speaker, and domestic violence advocate, Diana Winkler. She is passionate about helping survivors in the church heal from domestic violence and abuse and trauma. This podcast is not a substitute for professional counseling or qualified medical help. Now, here is Diana. We have a different kind of episode today, one that I think you will find very interesting and useful. We're going to talk about self-defense and how not to be a victim. I am recording this episode from my martial arts room for fun. You'll like Doug's stories if you are in the military. I'm going to introduce our guest. My guest today is Sergeant Doug Sutter. He's the award-winning author of One Less Victim, a prevention guide. He draws on his background, education, and vast life experience to write books that change his readers' lives. He's worked as a crime reporter, UN peacekeeping soldier, paratrooper, and kickboxing title champion. He's studied martial arts for over 20 years. He has a background in nutrition, and decades of fitness instruction experience along with overcoming his own injuries. He's a marathon runner and climbed Mount Rainier. His first novel about crime and childhood bullying, Salo, won first place global ebook award for teen literature. All the way from Vancouver, Canada, welcome to the show, Sergeant Doug Sutter. Hey Diana. Actually retired sergeant, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> In my second, people say, "Wow, it's your it's your name. You can't give it up now." Well, that's so, quite yeah. a bio. Did I leave anything out? <laughs> no, no. It's maybe a weakness for chocolates. The UN peacekeeping—that sounds really fascinating. That was fascinating because we had a time Canada. They usually they went to Cyprus and these other places. And it was very. Uh, uh, it was a routine. People I talk to, they, you go there, you do your time, you come back, and then along came Yugoslavia, and that was 93 when I went over, and that was a little busier. That was actually a place that was more dangerous, and there was, there was uh, people getting killed and people threatening and things blowing up. And so it was the closest, I think, Canada's been to war in a long time. Of course, now Afghanistan and some other conflicts, it's much more, much more tragic if you will, much more dangerous. Uh, but that was a, wide, a, wake, uh, a really wake-up call when I went, went, went to Yugoslavia, Croatia, because mm. uh, there was people there. I mean, they didn't, we didn't get much black ourselves. Uh, occasionally, the vehicle would hit a, a mine or get shot at or, or threatened. But uh, uh, it was still, you know, you get there, the smells, the, you'd see that the... the, the, mm-hmm. the that's what the very sad thing was. It's not so much people fighting kid with the aftermath. You know, I see these destroyed, really nice houses. They're all destroyed and, and holes everywhere and broken glass. And, but there's still a lot of humanity there. And that's what I, I found very fascinating. There's still hope and people growing things and putting together little farms and doing what they can. And, and I, I was always touched by that. It wasn't total, um, you know, there's still didn't give up kind of thing 
So that, that was uh, interesting. Uh, sure, it taught me a lot about um, staying safe. In the military, we have the idea of you have your perimeter, and mm-hmm. you have your patrolling, and you have. And I and I kind of brought some of the back with me when I came back to Canada. I was living in Winnipeg, and and I same thing. I was very hyper hyper alert and very cautious of my surroundings. And, and then I that's when I started getting into thinking about the the whole thing about victims and, and crime. But uh, yeah, that. PSTB was a good thing. You're, you're, it was a good time. No, I said, sorry, it was a party, but it was, you had to be a soldier. You had to be town sheriff. You had to be, you had to be a human to people too. And what I thought was fascinating was the door kickers, they would forcefully go into a place, confiscate the weapons. Whereas the guy who got the most weapons that I knew was our cook. <laughs> he, the cook got more weapons than anyone else. He was, he nice. was, uh, <laughs> no, he was a really cool guy. Man, when he, when he went on holidays, we really, we really uh, missed him. But he would, uh, it, they would hire the local people to work in the kitchen. And, and at night, he would drive them home. Well, of course, you can't just go and drop them off without having a few drops of, you know, shots of uh, Sklipovich, they called it. People yeah. loved him. He like, got to know them, and they would run out and, and give him rifles. That was a good lesson. You know, you could you'd be very forceful and, and invasive to people, but just by being friendly and professional. Boy, I, I, I mean, definitely don't have that skill. I, I can't imagine being in that environment. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, it, you do it. I, I you know, I, I thought that was pretty cool. People I talked to, and yeah, they would leave. So I, I would uh, do trade sometimes. I would, I would buy things from them. They would get different uh, badges. And, and we were allowed to cigarettes, but I would always, oh, hi, how are you doing, my friend? Oh, yeah, blah, blah, blah. And play a bit, you know, um, debate on how much to buy that for and always give them a little more and, and just to be friendly. And, and after a while, I thought, okay, well, hope they won't shoot me, you know. Uh, you might recognize me down the road. But even then, it was still with people in a tough spot, having a hard time. Uh, they weren't being treated very nice by all the UN soldiers. So, mm-hmm. you know, I really went out of my way to, to, to be fair with them. And, no, we sure oh. love veterans in this house. I come yeah. from a military family myself. My dad's a, a Navy Vietnam vet, and wow. I've got two siblings that are Air Force vets and two Marine cousins. My brother-in-law wow. is an Army helicopter repairman. He's been to Afghanistan uh, countless times, at least five yeah. tours. Absolutely. And would you say there's a lot of abuse and PTSD in the military? Oh, geez. When I came back, I was a little wrapped tight. And, and, and I have to admit, when I, I, I had to go teach recruits, and I was probably a little less than friendly. I never abused them physically or whatever, but I ran them hard. I ran them. Yeah, there was, uh, I talked to a local police up in, I don't know if you know where Winnipeg is, just north, yeah. north mm-hmm. Dakota. I talked to police. He said, "Oh yeah, he was constantly, constantly being called to families because there's a domestic problem for uh, the soldiers who went overseas." Uh, it's an interesting point because after the Second World War, there was a section of Winnipeg that was put aside for some of the, the Japanese prisoner of war uh, veterans. My friend's dad had spent time in, in, in a Japanese prisoner of war camp, and, and and his brother, my friend's uncle, Gordon Bell, he died there, and there's a school named after him in Winnipeg. But anyway, uh, there's a certain area in northern Winnipeg that was for these former prisoners, and it was it was apparently quite common to see 
sorry, women with black eyes and kids being neglected. Mm-hmm. I, I used to do a swim down in Bellingham for, uh, to raise awareness for veterans who, who've taken their lives. And uh, I represented all three Canadian family, or soldiers. And every time we, there was American soldiers took his life, we'd, we'd uh, do the swim and then we'd, we'd lower the flag and then present it to the family. And it was, it gave some people closure. Uh, the biggest thing I found is with, with like, Winnipeg is far better than Vancouver for recognizing their military. And, and I love it going down the States. I've trained in Fort Bragg. I've trained Fort Knox. I've trained Fort Lewis. Mm-hmm. And you go there and people are, and they're very open to, oh, yeah, sit yourself down. Hey, what do you want there? You know? And I'm not used to that kind of, of uh, treatment. But I've always been, I, I find a real difference. I go down, down south, we call it, and I've always been really treated well. I really appreciate that. Wherever I go, I just flash the military ID, and right away you get a much warmer welcome than up here. Oh. <laughs> so, it's interesting, too. The We talk about the PTSD, and a lot of the people I've known, there's always a background. Mm-hmm. And, or, you know, and I, I a theory is that I've noticed the guys who I've known taking their lives. I've been to like five funerals, they're all suicides. Oh. And I've trained, I trained three of them, and it was really heartbreaking because you kind of, you, you put part of yourself into someone when you train them. And, mm-hmm. But yeah, you got to know them, and you know, some, they already had problems before they even came to the military. I'm sorry to say. This is my, my experience. I don't want to, forgive me if, if I misdiagnosed someone else, but I noticed that there's already problems going on. One individual took his life, but then I, I knew his sister, and then I ran into a, a former lawyer who knew him and has already questioned his manhood. You know, sometimes right. I know myself, I've had situations outside the military or even there, and you go, gee, I, I could have helped that person more. I could have done this. And, and I know mm-hmm. there's like guilt with a lot of soldiers suffering PTSD or, or emergency workers. Yeah, it's a tough one because Second World War, they came back and people accepted them. Where you went. You go to uh, Israel, they have something like 1% PTSD. Because mm-hmm. that society is very supportive of their of their military. I, I actually met a guy from the uh, Israeli Defense Force, and he had uh, he was involved. Or what are malls? There's a, a bomb went off, and one of his relatives were were mm-hmm. killed. And he talked about it, but he wasn't as stricken. I mean, he was sad and it hurt him, but it wasn't as stricken as someone say from. Yeah, we were just in Israel in November before this pandemic hit. Really? Yeah, we took a pilgrimage over there, and we got to go right along the Syrian border, and and there wasn't there wasn't anything going on. We saw the UN building, and there wasn't wasn't any fighting going on there. Yeah. And then we were in Jerusalem, and there were soldiers walking along the streets. They were taking pictures of tourists, and they were carrying yeah. their rifles, but they were unloaded. Right. Because there wasn't anything to do. So, yeah, right. they had their clips in, in their knapsack in case something yeah. did happen. But, yeah, they're they're walking around with nothing to do. And we enjoyed talking with them and taking pictures with them. <laughs> it was yeah. a neat trip. Uh, that's cool. I've never been there one day. Yeah, it's amazing. It was different, no. different than what I expected, but it's still amazing. Well, you, you know, you hear things differently because I, I was talking to a lady who was in uh, Iraq during the, the 9-11, and she said people were in the streets crying 
Mm. They were crying. They were they were just they were devastated. And unfortunately, my impression with the media here is that people were cheering about that attack at, at, in New mm. York. But he said, the average person, you know, my my own experience, the average person doesn't want any, doesn't want any trouble. Mm-hmm. They want to put their kids in school. They want to have you know they want to watch wrestling. That's that's what I, my impression was. So it's it's kind of interesting. I'm glad you said that about Israel because I always had this vision of people constantly you know wired no. to sound and looking no. for trouble. The one yeah. thing our guide told us, because he's Israeli and the bus driver was, was Jordanian. The, really? There's so much, there's so much fake news. Over. Right. They want you to think that everything is chaos. And we felt very safe. We talked to the locals. We were at the um, Palestinian section. Um, they were very friendly to us. We had meals there. We were at the stores. Now the the salesmen were pretty aggressive because we were tourists, but sure. we um, no, we didn't go over to Gaza, but yeah, we had lots of really nice conversations, and they all said they want you to think we don't get along with the Jews and the uh, the Muslims and the uh, Palestinians. We get along. Just there's a couple small groups that don't get along. There's peace on these borders. Nice. We saw, we took pictures of it. We saw the trucks guarding the borders and there was no fighting. Right. So I tell people that all the time. Don't, don't listen to what the news said. It's, it's not utter chaos everywhere. It's just, there's little sections of different parts of the country that, you know, they got the troublemakers. So. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to hear. Oh, I, I remember years ago going to Mexico and there was someone who was attacked in an elevator whatever and i go well wait a minute there's more problems here in vancouver even though it's fairly safe city than down i went down to Puerto Vallarta, and it was it was fine you know same in croatia i remember guys getting mugged and, and we went on on leave something too hard but you know what and they were making fun of the locals and yeah you wonder why you got rolled you know so i i found that too in my military service some guy would get beat up, and of course we get together, go looking for the perpetrator. And later on, when you're, you get to know the individual, oh, okay, well, there's a reason why you got beat up, you know, the reason why you're rude to people when you get drunk. And you, I didn't feel, I didn't feel so much a need to protect them as much because they were they're bringing some of these things up themselves. And um, that's what I noticed. Like, like you're in the martial arts, and I've done a lot of training, and and there's. When you get in that situation, you're already punching, kicking, rolling around, choking. You're kind of, you're already engaged. Whereas the military, I want to prevent that. Right. I want, right. I want to make sure I want my areas secure, the farm where it's up. I've got interlocking fires on my, all my weapons. I've got to patrol around and make sure it's safe, you know. So I, I find there's a, there's a sequence. I don't know your experience. I, I grew up in a place called Surrey, B.C., and I was... I was beat up a bit, quite a bit when I was younger. Uh, always trying to fight up the food chain, you know, when mm-hmm. you're, you're underweight. But uh, there's a process, and, and it's, and this is, I found the same thing with whether you've gained cons or beat up or robbed. There's a process, and, and there's a guy, Mark McYoung, who writes a series, and he talks of five steps. And he says there's a, first is a, an intention. There's just bad people out there, and they're, they, they actually think they're looking for the opportunity. Oh, yes. Yeah. And this one, next stage is called the interview. And I'm sure you run into this. I've had people, and they, they, they try to they get in your face or they, they try to 
uh, invoke a fight or they'll try to intimidate or, and it's funny, I, I've been in a situation, they're going into a bar and the guy blocks by, they buy me a beer and I go, what? what, what you know, and, I, I, and he backed down and I go, oh yeah, okay. Later on I thought about that. Oh, he was testing the waters because that's later on, you know, so it, it goes like this. So if you could beat the first stage, like I've been walking, I've been down, you know, town when I was a younger man, of course, a little more aggressive and front them or you, you invade the space and you, and you de-escalate the situation right away. And then, oh, so you don't have to get to the next stage, which is, is positioning. And that's unfortunately people that wear earbuds walking down dark alleys. Or With going their to face in the phone. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. And, they're the, and and then they get surrounded, and they get the part where they're surrounded or isolated. Yeah. And now, I mean, you're in big trouble. Exactly. And I, I, I've talked to people. And they, oh yeah, now they got four people around them. Well, okay, Bruce Lee. Even if you're good, you're still at a disadvantage. I have my Bruce Lee shirt on today. Oh well. Excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> then, oh no. <laughs> Oh, no disrespect, Mr. Lee, but but you're now you're in a situation, and they're not a fight. Like I remember a guy threatened me with a hammer one time, mm-hmm. and then my date was with me, starts screaming, and she put her bike between us, and I kind of lost that momentum. Like, okay, well I grabbed her and I just walked across the street. But what was I thinking? I shouldn't have even. Okay, here we go. No, I, I, I a friend of mine said, "Oh no, he, he just runs over and drops him." Okay, but I can't do that. That's a assault. He's not enough. Yeah. Which at one in the morning, if someone comes up to you asking for a cigarette and starts swearing at you, they're not there to be friends. Right. So this is where aggressive, a more aggressive character was talking. He said, no, no, I just right off the get go, boom. You don't, you don't argue with these people. And okay, these people. But uh, yeah, I, I could see the stage. I'm walking. I speed up. He speeds up. I slow down. He slows down. Hey, got a cigarette. That's the interview. And how I answer. Then he starts yelling and takes out a hammer to scream and, and and what we're trained to do as martial artists we we square off you know then we do our you know like we're very fair we're very mm-hmm. you know and we're not even thinking whereas an, an enemy in the military they do you do an ambush or you do a raid there's right. no in the pole we're not in the days of napoleon when we meet on the battlefield right it's either a raid or an ambush end of story they, they don't wait they don't want a, a fair fight they don't want you know they want to get in a situation they might get hurt. No, so, I've so. studied studied martial arts for 20 years as yeah. well. But you know what? I have never had to use my martial arts. I mean, the physical stuff. I've had, sure. I've been followed. I've been followed several times. Um, I've been flashed. And, no way. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. I've been um, in that stage where they're they're seeing if they can go to the next stage. Right. Well, most of the time I've been able to escape either by screaming and running away. Right. Or I'm aware of my situation and I can see something brewing. Right. So I have never had to use them, but I think those those kind of qualities are what we we need anyway to avoid those situations. You know, I had a guidance counselor in grade school. He groomed me. And I, I would just go to him and it was, I was in seventh grade and he would groom me. And eventually he decided to put his 
hand on my crotch when I was in his office and he had okay. always had the door shut and right. he had, you know, done a few things to see if, if I would let him do certain stuff. Right. Well, one day, yeah, he put his hand on my crotch and I stood up and I said, I have to go. And I left and I, wa I had to walk home, unfortunately, but I told my parents and they Good. told me school and thank God everybody believed me. Right. But, you know, it certainly could have gone farther than it did. Uh, but I was able to get out of there just just by saying no and running away and really grateful for that. But yeah, so oh, that's that's an example of what you're talking about, that preliminary well, stage when they're putting out their feelers to see if they can get sure. away. Wow. Well, I'm sorry I, I went through. Sorry, that. really. Uh, wow. Um, you know, I know I know two real hard, hard guys. Mm -hmm. uh, one, we, a friend of mine, we went over to Hong Kong. We were doing the uh, martial arts tournament, and there you wear bag gloves, four ounce gloves, mm -hmm. and it hurts. <laughs> it hurts yeah. a lot more than eight ounce. But I saw him put down this guy with three. Wham, wham, wham. You know, later on, I got, you know, it came out that he had been molested by a priest when he was a kid. Oh. And, and I know, and and. And he's, he's had these meltdowns since then. And I know where he's disappeared to. And, and the other guy I trained with, like, freaking hard. I mean, this, he's got these baseball bat for him. It's like, it's this nasty character. But again, we're drinking beer one time. And he was a, a talented artist. And he went to very famous, here. We, it's called Emily Carr School. And sure enough, he, was, he wasn't molested, but someone tried to. Mm. And so I, I'm glad you got out of that. You had, you had the, the feeling of self because... Up here, we had in um, out in the East Coast, Newfoundland, a, a Mount Cashel orphanage. I'll be quick with this one, but there was a, a priest there called Brother English, and he had molested kids. And they, what happened? The Catholics moved him out to the West Coast, St. Thomas More School, highly mm -hmm. prestigious private uh, school. That guy was, I read about Brother English, didn't anyone know? And he goes, he, he said, even as a kid, it was common knowledge not to be in the room alone with Brother English. Oh, I said, well, didn't you tell your mom? And she says, well, he said, well, no, you can't because he was Czechoslovakian from the old country. And you just, teachers always write, priests were always right, you know, doctors. And he said, oh, you just didn't say anything. You just stayed clear. And oh, oh my gosh. Because uh, mighty Frank. About it. Well, you never questioned them because mm -hmm. they were. So I think the best thing, um, it's a good book. Gavin yeah, DeBecker talks about allowing children to make judgment calls, approach adults who they can instinctively trust. And I'm trying to do that with my own daughter. I'm a divorced dad, but I, I constantly, what do you think of that, honey? And she'll, she'll sit there, we'll be eating McDonald's, dad, it's a bad man there. Mm. Okay, what makes it self oh. Self-trust, that's the big thing, it's self-trust. I know I know. as a kid, at one time, geez, I have flashbacks now, I, I, I remember going to the bus station, and some guy offered me a ride, and, and I, I, my head, I said, this doesn't happen. Why would, you know, but I said, ah, I was tired. And, and sure enough, I got in the car, we're going over, there's a, a bridge, and then he started coming on to me, grabbed my leg and whatnot, and I just, yeah. I said, well, no, pull over here, and I bailed out right away, but I was 15, and, mm. you know, the last thing you want to do is tell my mother that, you know, I almost, you know, basically a homosexual assault, like, you know, I just, you already have your self-doubts as a kid, mm -hmm. and, and so it was really, I didn't say anything, I, I mentioned some friends, and, and uh, they kind of laughed it off. But uh, right away, there's, there's uh, well, what were you doing taking rides from strangers? Blah, blah, blah. You know, there's all these things that you're scared and ashamed of. Well, they blame you for what the perpetrator exactly. did. Exactly, yes. 
and, and there is that feeling. You, you often, I mean, I've talked to people, you know, in the bar fight, and they well, what did I do wrong? Is this, this, this? Well, no, no, the predator was there already. Mm-hmm. They woke up that morning, decided they're going to try to hurt. And I've been in a situation too where I became a paratrooper, 40 pounds heavier, you know, martial arts situation. Boom, I put this guy to, but, but it was it was kind of a almost consensual, you know, hostile males. We used to get in bear fights, but, but boom, and then that was the end of it. And okay, see you later. And, and nothing else is done. But, uh, you know, there's the other, other individuals too, who they're just, they're looking for trouble. They back down really fast when they find out they might get hurt. See, that's, that's the other thing is, can they get away with it and then mm-hmm. can they get away mm-hmm. so that's the so, real cool thing about uh learning jiu-jitsu like even if you get the worst of it i never actually get the worst of it one time it's kind of my fault but that's when i was younger but you tie up at least you hold on until help mm-hmm. comes so that another another stage where they they know they can't get away so there's a don't get into the fight if you are finish it you do get away but also you get in a situation where they're trapped and they don't like that right away. So, <laughs> and, if they, and they even think they will get trapped. They won't. They won't engage because there's no uh, no one of that. And, and uh, I remember a friend of mine. He's a lawyer. He used to be a bouncer. He's on the on the sky train one day, and he said, "Yeah, these guys are bragging how poor to beat someone up." And there he's in a suit, briefcase, and finally stands up. They go over and just lays into all of them. You know, he tells them right now I'll take all your right and they just shut right up and back down so that was kind of good on him but uh, why would you brag about something like that I've heard that on the bus I hear these kids bragging about ganging up on someone that uh, is it there's a different something going on nowadays that would never be bragging rights to me I mean I, I'd want to be able to say that I, I maybe defeated several people or I defeated someone larger I would never brag about you know how several of Scott Poe were in there and just laying the kicking someone right i heard a, a, a young girl talk about that she's oh yeah my friends are in trouble i'm in there kicking them on the ground oh my gosh you're kidding me. this is we've uh, got these you know martial arts movies and the superhero movies and you know i've got my favorites i love john wick i love you know yeah yeah my bruce lee movies and you know it man they have some bad, really, yeah, yeah, really yeah. great fight scenes. But um, you know, a lot of people they they take martial arts so they can look tough and be a butt kicker. Right. I mean, but that's that's not how life really is. No. In the movies, is totally different than a real fight on the street. So, what's the difference between martial arts and self defense? Well, have you ever seen the movie uh, Seven Samurai? Yes. Yes, there's a scene there where they uh, go into a, 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 a doorway and there's one, he goes in there and, and there's someone there testing them, right? So he starts fighting, but there's one that real shrewd guy. He just goes there, he looks, he doesn't go in. Mm-mm. And I thought, wow, that's higher. That's the, that's self-defense. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, well, you can, no, 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 that's the self-defense. I mean, I remember patrolling down the road and... The cricket stopped chirping. I'm like, okay, you know what? Not today. Turned around, went back because it just gave me the creeps, and there was no objective. We were just patrolling. So yeah, you're very smart. And later on, um, you don't know what you avoided, but that's the difference. Smart, and and then there's fighting, which is fighting is the free for all. There, the the people that whatever they're whatever reason. Not a whole lot, you know, and I, I, you could be a bruiser and a brawler and, and still defeat a martial artist, where the martial artist, a friend of mine, he said, no, the martial artist 
gets up in the morning, makes his bed, the martial arts does this, 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 this. And I go, geez, Andy, that, and he, he was a tough guy, good guy. So do you need like a black belt to defend yourself or can you learn self-defense in a weekend seminar? Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> we, we trained, it's interesting, we, we, a friend of mine who's an ex-vice cop and we trained um, these uh, welfare investigators and they were, what what had happened with the ministry, they just took a several of the clerks and said, oh, and by the way, you're gonna, now you're going to go investigate welfare cases. Well, some of these people in social assistance, some were in gangs, some were, so what we emphasized was the approach and you practice coming up to the door, not, 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 and you go inside, but you always keep the escape route open. Mm-hmm. So if you're coming in, you stand by the door and say, no, no, we just want to talk to you. And if they, you see the signs are getting hostile, then, well, you know what? Yeah, this this conversation is over. We have to leave. And and that was more important. I mean, we have to, of course, it grabs, there's release. If you're on top here, there's release. Uh, various, it's like you said, you get away. It wasn't, it wasn't locked down. WWF, sorry, it's, it's not going to happen. You don't want to go in there with, with uh, whatever their situation is going to end. Even if you're, even if you're a, a MMA fighter, you go in there and, and take it to someone, I'm sorry, you, you assaulted them. That just doesn't work. So, yeah, people don't realize that somebody can sue you Yeah. for assault and people with their cell phones taking pictures. And, and what do you see? <laughs> I, I've been in situations where what do they see? They see, they see the guy on top. Well, here, here's a good one for you. I read, I, I did a crime column years ago, and I had to read this this one case over and over again because it said, whereas the defendant spit on the accused, and then the defendant struck the accused, and the defendant. And I go, wait a minute, let me read that again. So the defendant spit on the accused, hit the accused. The district had finally accused threw the defendant down and struck him several times in the head, the chest. I go, okay, <laughs> mm-hmm. wait, wait a minute here. So all the police see or bystanders see is you know one person hitting another. I've been in the army. I, I remember uh, one of my instructors was yelling at someone, and headquarters. Oh, that guy was abusing that sir. No, no, you haven't seen the hours and hours. Of going on the hours and hours training uh, this individual, all the trouble they were causing, and, mm-hmm. and this one time you're, you know, the staff is yelling, "Oh, look at that! That's abuse." Well, same thing. You're absolutely right. You could be laying a beating on someone that well deserves it, but a weekend, I think the best thing to do. I've done it with kids. The best thing I find is the kid can say, "No, mm-hmm. don't bother me," and and we do a scenario. And it happened in the shopping mall here. What happens is these this gang of girls, like 17 or whatever, and they'll, they'll gang up on a 14-year-old with their arms full of grocery or uh, clothing, things she bought. And one will come up to her, hi, I think I know you, where you're from, blah, blah. And meanwhile, the rest are closing in. And the next thing, this girl is being swarmed. Everything's being taken away from her. And so I tell the kid, they have to go, no, thank you. You know what? Please step back. You're gonna have to, and they they're allowed to yell. They're allowed to be very assertive. And I think that I know it's not exciting to be able to boom kick someone in the head and drop them, but that's the big thing. Not get into that trap. Have looking up, being confident of yourself, having some self worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even even though someone who goes to the the karate mill school, I mean, they're still walking. They're straighter. They look more confident. 
less of a victim. Exactly. Uh, whereas if you're kind of defeated, head down, shoulders down, instinctively, you look like a victim, sorry to say. I started reading your book, but I didn't get to finish it yet. Oh, well, thank you. I totally agree with what you've written in there. What inspired you to write One Less Victim? Well, I, I, I was in university and I, I saw this. I went to this talk by Robert Resler and he was this FBI profiler and he had, he had interviewed uh, all these serial killers like John Wayne Gacy and, and Jeffrey Dahmer and all that. And I thought that was really fascinating. And he talked about, you know, their backgrounds and I thought, okay, but what about victim? Why didn't anyone ask about what makes some people more susceptible? Mm. So I started asking around and, and interviewing uh, psychologists, and, and I, I talked to um, victim services one time. And right away, they said, "No, you can't say that." It's okay. And then, and then it's interesting because the lady called me back about three days later. So you know, there's something to that. Because I know it's the same people keep getting assaulted, the same people keep getting in trouble. So that's why I started looking in, looking into it. And uh, case in point, uh, teenagers tend to get assaulted three times more often than adults. Oh yeah. And but they don't report it. I know I was mugged almost mugged twice in a local park here. Uh, fortunately, I can run quick, but I didn't want to tell my mother that. And, you know. They wouldn't let you go out on it. If you're from a different ethnic background, if your family moves around a lot, if you're single parent family, generally speaking, about age 15, grade nine, you're going to be, you're, you're more of a target to be picked up, mm -hmm. generally speaking. Uh, sorry, it's just a, a fact of life. Uh, males are assaulted more than females, except for sexual assault, of course. But uh, here's an interesting one the these fast food workers and like your 7-Elevens and that, they're four times more likely to be assaulted or injured than many um, law enforcement. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, there's one statistic. And, and he's poor. I feel for these people because, you know, you're, it's, it's not only you're working bad hours, usually a bad part of town, low wages, and you're susceptible to this thing. So, yeah, there's certain things we can control. You know, we, can, we decide where we want to live. We decide how we conduct ourselves. We decide our staying positive good health of course martial arts is so great though martial arts you know just i remember in a bad time i just trained and trained and trained it, it gave me that outlet it gave me uh, a confidence it gave me that coordination i i just can't say enough about good things about martial arts oh like yeah very... people don't realize that it, it teaches you more than just the physical uh, you know how to punch or kick you know we all watched the karate kid at least i did as a as yeah. a child and it's like we all wanted to be in karate class because we wanted to kick somebody's sure. somebody's butt or there was a bully in the school but you know martial arts teaches you so many so many things you yeah know, patience and hard work and yes confidence and respect yes yeah i i i remember a friend running a kids class and they had to come in and they had to recite the rules and i remember going up there with it and you had asked did you make your bed this morning if you didn't we're all doing push-ups <laughs> did you know did you did you were you good to your brother and sister oh well, here we go we're doing more like i think uh there's lot to be said for that i found that especially the classical martial arts they they follow that uh, i was looking at the european martial arts sword fighting and feudalism and, and they were expected to be good citizens mm-hmm 
you couldn't be a thug. You're expected to do chari- charitable things. You're expected to help the infirm. You're like you're expected to be an upstanding citizen. And that's what I admire about classical martial arts. I know a, a dragon style. He's also a chiropractor, this Sifu, and he was telling me, he says, you know, there's there's a combative side of your forms. He says there's a health side, you know, body alignment. And then there's a human side. You want to kind of show off. You want to demonstrate. And he says that's why the forms are so important. Where, where kickboxing, I was just, I was there more to, you know, put down my opponent, but I, Mm-hmm. I noticed my health was suffering, and I started doing classical martial arts, and my posture got better, and my health got better. But there's far more than just breaking heads. Right. Uh, um, so we have um, a primarily an, an audience of survivors of abuse. Right. Um, one of my favorite books out there is The Gift of Fear. Have you read that? Gavin, Gavin De Becker. Oh, that is like awesome. the best book about... Yeah. Just trust your spidey sense, you know? Exactly. Just, you know, you get those butterflies in your stomach or the hair stands up on the back of your head. Uh, there's something wrong. <laughs> well, <clears throat> you don't have to be nice to whoever's standing there trying to help you with their groceries. Well, the good, the good people recognize that. I noticed I lived in a core in Vancouver. It was, it was kind of a rundown places. I've never seen two cars set on fire and I've seen they had various uh, gang fights and stuff. But I remember people trying to get into my building, and I said, no, I can't let you in. And uh, good people, it says, I understand. I'll phone my friend. But there's a hostile one, so you had to do this confrontation. You had to be a little, you know, send them on their way. But uh, generally speaking, you're right. If someone comes by and they say, I want to help you with the groceries, say, no, thank you. They're, the good people will say. And that, as Gavin DeBecker talks about that. He talks about the, remember that one case? Mm-hmm. The, Guy comes by, grabs the grocery bag, at least it's okay. And he goes, No, we he goes, We have a, a hungry cat. We have to we have to Yeah. Eat. He was waiting at the bottom of the stairs <clears throat> in the dark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. Hello. <laughs> but I noticed that with, with the we. Yeah. And a friend of mine says, What do you mean we? You know, like this whole they have this thing we're trying to buy and it's interesting because the police I talked to the negotiator and when they had try to talk someone out of, of committing suicide they had they try to get that same bond we and then the other ones that that's a loan sharky they tried it well i'm doing you a favor you at least let me in well i drove you home from the bar at least let me in for a drink you know like they got this they're trying to put leverage on you mm-hmm. and uh and one of my students in school she was in a car and it got out the guy tried to do that she gave him turn around gave him a back fist spinning back fist nice god bless her yeah i was oh it made me so proud but she was talking the same thing. Friend of a friend, off the ride, not so good. But she got out. She handled herself good. But uh, what's the other one? Not taking no. Yes. That's a big one. No, no, you, you don't understand. It's, I, I like the uh, response I like using is, is, oh, must be the acoustics or something. I thought I said no. They go, well, blah, blah. No, 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 hold on. Actually, I just said no. And they, they you know, and they start back playing. And, mm-hmm. well, yeah. No, you ever been in a timeshare presentation? Oh my and gosh. Say no. Yeah. <laughs> you wind up saying no about fifty times and they just they don't listen. It's like No, they got leverage on them too though. Mm-hmm. You know. But yeah. brilliant book. Gavin De Becker's Gift of Fear. Absolutely brilliant. Yes. I have that on my shelf. I I think I gave a copy to a friend of mine, but yeah, that is standard reading. Everybody should read that. Yeah. And um yeah, your book is a perfect complement to that Gift of Fear book as well, because it it just goes over all the basics 
everything you need to be safe. And yeah, thank you. All these different profiles of people and you talk about, well, what can a victim do to break the cycle? They always get in scam. They're always yeah. a victim of crime or a victim of abuse. How can they break that cycle? Uh, you know, I, 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 I was listening to Jordan Peterson, and he made a good point. He said one of the biggest bullies we deal with are ourselves, and people forget to be good to themselves. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you've been through this. I know I, we're always taught the military mission team self. And, and you do as a leader, you make sure your, 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 your team is well-fed, well-rested, ready to go. And, and I remember one time uh, I came by and said, yeah, sorry, sorry, what, what about yourself? I go, I don't care. You know, forget it, we're good. No, no. He says, what about you? And, and I, I said, well, it doesn't matter. We're good to go. I got, you know, this, this, this. no, no, no. You're not, you're not effective. For me, unless you're arrested and ready, oh, and, and I just blow me away. It was coming from him because I, I never heard it like that. But I thought, wow, you know, you got a point. So it's like when you're in an airplane and the cabin depression pressure drops and the, the masks drop out. Well, you don't get yours on right away. You can't help anyone else. It's the same with a gas attack. Uh, <laughs> if I can't get my gas mask on in time. I'm useless to the team. So mm-hmm. there's a certain amount of self-care. And uh, I say, I'm sure you, you, you probably struggle with it. I, I do. We forget to be good to ourselves. And I don't mean self-indulgence and eating junk food, lying around lots and, and saying, well, with me. But you have, you have to suddenly, I have to tell myself, go to bed before 10 o'clock. I have to tell right. myself that you eat today. Because sometimes I'm so busy. Oh, well, I'm good. I can, I can go without food. I can go without sleep. And there's, you're not going to last. So I have to physically sometimes tell myself, okay, what did I do yesterday? Well, geez, I, I skipped breakfast. I, I trained two clients. <laughs> I went to work. I went to school. Oh, yeah, I knocked back a can of beans. And, you know, okay, would you do that to one of your clients? I, you know, you have kind of a conversation with yourself. Would, would you do that and expect them to perform well? Do that to us. Like after this, I'm going to go have a big meal, right? But you, you got to say, you physically look and say, well, hold on. What I'm doing now needs at least 3,000 calories. I need at least. So why aren't I doing it? And, and part of your brain is not thinking. Okay, yeah. look after yourself. You deserve it. I mean, we, you know, and if and if you can't, if you're kind to yourself, you can be kind to other people. We I, got I don't... mothers and, and fathers that are listening and they, you know, they're constantly caring for their kids and giving and serving. And that's what, you know, they're told to do. And they don't yeah. ever take time out for themselves. Well, I need to eat nutritious food. And like yeah. you say, you need to get enough sleep. You need yes. to, you know, take a bubble bath once in a while. Not... Because otherwise you're not going to be able to help your children. No. You're going to be able to serve anybody in the community either. Your church, your school, your... Exactly. You know, the people you coach. Yes. Well, you, you see, you'll see fitness trainers and they're, they're burned out. They're overweight. They're tired. And, and, and you know because they're overworked. That's a very good point to serve your community as well, looking after yourself. Yeah. I, I, I like seeing, um, I, I remember my mother, my father died when I was five, and then I remember working at the factory at night. And poor woman, she'd come home, cigarettes, she'd sit in front of the TV and pass out. And I remember as a kid, I was maybe 13, 14, I just started making meals. So at least she had something to eat when she got home. Yeah, that, that poor woman didn't do enough self-care. It, it, you know, it's hard. They're much better mood. They look after themselves, and they can, like you said, they can serve their 
their family, the community. And, and I've seen that with uh, repeat crime victims. I've, I've, um, they, they lock themselves in. They're very, I don't know, they, they have a strange sense of priorities. Well, they don't think they deserve to be treated Thank with you. respect. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. You, know, you do. Deserving of, you know, being treated like a human being. Right. Well, the coolest thing, I remember one thing I, I used to really like teaching the basic training because you'd see someone with lack of confidence and, and would come back and, and one time, uh, you know, a recruit and they go, yeah, I know I'm an F up. No, you aren't. You did a dumb thing. And I'm correct. I'll shut your gob and you know, carry on. And then I remember one time we're, we're running and this guy falls out. He's lying on the ground and, and he said, what's wrong? And he says, well, I'm weak and useless. No, you're not. Of course, I said, well, I have broken ribs. You don't get up right now and get running. Of course, he jumps up all scared and runs for his life. <laughs> I said, there, you okay? You're not useless, are you? I, I talked to a school counselor one time. He said, now. he looks around. I go, yeah, that's, that's, that's the whole idea. Not to build, you know, killers or or reckless men and women. It's just to build some self, a sense of self, teamwork, confidence, go beyond your comfort zone. And then that's what I like too in a good martial arts school. They will they will push you within your boundaries and you'll go, oh, I can do a little. So how would you go about choosing a school? Because there's some rotten schools out there. Oh my gosh, yeah. You know what? I look at the students because I've seen schools where the instructor's really good and he'll often have a, hun- a henchman. Mm-hmm. So, someone really good, they're always close. You look at how they treat each other too. And I look over another, and you watch, and how they're, if they're being mean to each other, slobbing, well, I, I right away, bad leadership going on there. And I've been to schools, and right away they come in, they clean. Clean, yeah. Clean, exactly. And then I've also been around places that they just, like I said, they, there's a whole lot of yelling and work, but not much getting done. And you ever watch that series of Cobra Kai? Oh, I love that series. That's <laughs> awesome. It's insane. <laughs> you know, you kind of a, there is no better, you know, <coughs> no asthma in my dojo. Uh, but that, I, I look, what kind of students are they putting out? That's what I look for right away. If, if I see them confident, I see them, you know, very fit, then I think that's a good place. Are the teachers treating the students all with the same amount of respect, regardless of their belt? Yeah. That's huge for me. It's like, well, it's, I've been to a school. I remember this one, it was a Hapkido school in, in Vancouver and they would slam you. I remember getting tossed around and, and, but I went to, I went to another one, Winnipeg and my friend said, yeah, he went there and the higher belts would let the lower belts throw them. And he said, no, no, you're, you're, you're more trained. You're expected to be able to take more. Yeah, you know how to fall. So they were there, but I've seen other schools where they're just waiting to start picking on the newcomer, and that's that's mm-hmm. not so cool, but not not abusive. Because I I've gone to places where they're slamming you around, and, and I remember one time mm-hmm. I got tired of it, and I grabbed this guy, big guy, I caught him by the tricep, and he, and he throws me down, and I yanked on the way down, and I heard him yelp, and then he didn't want to be have me a partner anymore. But uh, I just got tired of it. I mean, I get it. I, I mean, I understand, you know, if you want to compete, I, I get it. But there's, I don't need to be put through the floor to, to get a point. I was in a lesson and we were doing, you know, defense against a right punch, so a downward windmill. And I was supposed to do the palm, you know, to the chin and push their head back and put my fingers in their eyes and then do the right. leg sweep, right? And I had done it wrong like 50 times and the teacher was just like, 
angry with me and he slammed me up against the wall oh. and said this is how you do the palm to the chin and, and he almost, right. I thought he was going to break my neck because I, I had tears in my eyes and uh, I told you I'd gotten kicked out of the school I had told him don't you ever do that to me again yeah he's like well you know you don't trust me anymore then you know I can't train you it's like well it's okay. I've trained with you for 11 years why yeah it's not about trust it's you need to apologize and say you know what i did was wrong and yeah. i do it again not oh well you don't trust me so it's all your fault well uh-uh. well you know someone told me that uh for my teachers actually you know he said well i'm i'm coming to train with you so you can use my body and i'm trusting you right mm -hmm. same same when i'm you know and if you want to go if you want to go rough fine it's a mutual agreement we'll go rough but i i uh, yeah, there's a couple of clowns running around, but right. a line between discipline and then this abusiveness. Yes. And like, good for her. And then, like you said, 11 years, people would say, well, but no, I, I've done it. I've done it for years. And I've done the, you don't have, you don't, you don't have to do that with a dog. I did dog training. A dog will, will attack someone or defend its owner without being beaten. My friend has two German shepherds. Yes. And it, I it's, it's, well. Yeah. But so weird going to their place, and they're jumping around me. And I thought, you know, that dog could take my arm off, but he likes me, and I like him. Mm -hmm. But he never had to beat that dog to make it tough. He never had to. Let's review here. So, what sure. are some actionable things that our listeners can do to be safer and defend themselves? Let's go. All right, um, your environment, right after your environment. If you can live in a better place. I know restrictions that we only sometimes you have to because you you can't afford something. But your environment that includes your friends, the people you hang out with. Would you want your sister to go out with them? <laughs> you know? I mean, I, I ran with rough crowds in the army, yeah. and later on I go, wait a minute, uh, are you involved in crime? Because criminals generally prey on other criminals. Are you fit? Mm. You look after yourself. Uh, you don't have to be a bodybuilder. You don't have to be. You go out. You know. Go play tennis, ride your bike, whatever. Did you? And then, of course, basic martial arts. Mm -hmm. I had to go train a young guy out of box, and he never heard of a, a nuggie, nuggie before. I had to throw a headlock on him and show him what I knew you were. <laughs> I says, you an older brother? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said, I don't have to show you a wedgie. Is doing. He goes, no, no, no. It's okay. <laughs> so we'll deal with these things. But I want you to be fit, healthy. Look after yourself, please. Mm -hmm. Taekwondo, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, boxing. Go learn to box. Go learn jujitsu. Don't dress. Don't flash cash. Don't go running around with high heels. I mean, you're a target. You can't. Mm -hmm. You can't run fast with high heels, right? Mm -mm. I, mean, I couldn't. So I don't know how they do it. Girls do it. But uh, have a way out. Have. If I'm going to go to a party, and we've all been to teenage parties, and you and I know there's always some jerk that shows up to cause trouble. Mm -hmm. Go sleep in your friend's car or your car. Lock the door if you had too much to drink. No, don't go any strange rooms. Have an exit plan. Very smart. I've got I've got the extra twenty bucks in my wallet, my back pocket. I get the cab. I'm out of there. If I'm not home by this, my mom or my friend. I do up hiking all the time. Tell a buddy of mine. I say, listen, I'm going up this this trail. Back in five hours. You already have a check in. Absolutely. Believe in yourself. You know you are good. Do good things to other for other people. That's a big thing, too. You get to know your neighborhood, and I, I go to the same store, and I'm always friendly with people, and sure enough, they, they recognize you, and you, you've got a bit of a 
a support group, if you will. It goes a long way. Know your neighbors. Absolutely. Know your neighbors, you know. And the big one, learn to say no. Thank you. <laughs> learn how to say no. Say no and practice it. And then you're going to disappoint people. So what, you know. Yep. And say it really loud. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want it. Hey, not today. I don't want another. I don't want a date with you. So happy to uh, geek out with uh, a fellow martial artist today. And yeah, you had some really great stories. So tell tell the viewers, uh, the listeners, how to find your book. Oh, one less victim. Yeah. One less victim. Sorry about the cover. I think I'll it's a great cover. It. You like that? Okay, thank yeah. you. All right. Well, it's on it's on uh, uh, Amazon. You also get it on Lulu.com. By all means, throw me an email, just dougsitter at gmail.com if you got some input. I'd love to hear it. I, I'm always constantly in a learning process. If I help one person, then I did my job. That's what it's about, helping yeah. other people. Well, thanks so much for, for coming on the show today. I, I sure appreciated it. Oh, no problem. Thanks yeah. for having me. I hope you enjoyed Doug and his stories that he told. I hope you got some valuable nuggets about safety and self-defense and not being a victim. Until next week, do one thing today to bring you closer to your healing journey. Thank you for listening to the Wounds of the Faithful podcast. If this episode has been helpful to you, please hit the subscribe button and tell a friend. You can connect with us at dswministries.org, where you'll find our blog along with our Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel links. Hope to see you next week.